Welcome to this week's message. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Chris Dirksen, the executive pastor here at Southland Church. For more information about this message and other resources, visit myselfland.com. I'm going to speak another message, uh, preach another message on prayer here. And uh, nothing I'm going to say today is new. Nothing I'm going to say today is new. Uh, I, I really don't think, we've, we've preached lots on prayer here at this church. I've preached lots on prayer and I don't think there's much new to say. In fact, I don't even want to say anything new. Uh, something I sometimes tell some of the staff here is, if I'm, if I'm preaching or teaching something absolutely brand new you've never heard before, that's something actually that makes me a little nervous because maybe I'm making this up. Because uh, all the truth we're teaching is at least a couple thousand years old. And, uh, and so I want to I preach on prayer again today, Breakthrough Prayer, following up on, on last week's message. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing new in here, but I... I do hope and I pray. I, think, I just think it's a message uh, from God, and I really feel like he is inviting us as a church again this weekend. And he's saying to all of you through me, and he's saying this weekend again, come and bring your requests to me. And so I think it's going to build our faith. I think God's going to build our faith. And so I, I just want to read you a passage here, very famous passage has been spoken on many times in many churches, has been spoken on many times in this church. But Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11, Jesus says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. That is a stunning statement. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone, everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven Give good things to those who ask him. Bow your heads with me and let's just pray. And then we're going to look at this. Lord Jesus, you have made some absolutely stunning promises in your word. And my desire today is that every person who's here will get to experience these promises for themselves. Take this beyond our minds. Put it in our hearts. Fill us with faith fresh anew today by the power of your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. Now, just to point out something to you in the Greek that we've pointed out before, but it's a little bit lost in the English. You don't see it as easily. But in the English, the, the, uh, the three verbs there, ask, seek, and knock, it's almost like you could just, you know, ask once, and you'll be given, you know, what you're asking for. Seek once and you'll find knock once. Uh, because it just, it's just the way the verbs work in, in English. But in, in Greek, the verbs have different, there's different tenses you can have a verb in. And all three of these verbs are in what's called the, the present active imperative, which means it's, it's ongoing. So literally, you could translate this passage, you could translate these verbs, keep on asking. So it's not just a one time and done, a one time casual and you're finished. It's Keep on asking, and for those who keep on asking, it will be given to you. Keep on seeking, and for those who keep on seeking, it will, they will find, and keep on knocking, and for those who keep on knocking, the door will be opened, okay? So this is, again, this is an absolutely stunning promise, and last week we looked in James chapter 5, how the prayer of a righteous person has great power and accomplishes much. These are absolutely uh, stunning promises from God. And you know, it's interesting, if you look through the Bible and try to find one passage on prayer that says you might not receive when you pray, you won't find a verse like that. But over and over again, we could look at, well, we looked at last week, John 16, 24, asking you will receive that your joy may be complete. We could look at John 14, 14, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So over and over and over again, we have these tremendous incredible promises that if we ask and keep on asking and press into Jesus' presence, he will give. And we have not a single verse in the Bible to balance those promises out. Well, actually, in real life, sometimes you'll ask and you won't receive. Over and over and over again, it is ask and you will receive. 
incredible. It's astounding. It's stunning. But now the question has to be asked, because if we look at our reality, some of us, and many of us, and a number of you that I know again in this service, just like the two yesterday and again in the service, I'll, I'll preach at 11. But some of you here today have been praying things for a long, long, long time. Some of you have been praying things for years. Some of you have been praying things for decades, and they don't seem to be getting answered. That's just a fact. That's an absolute fact. So what do we do? And many of us, we all know people like that, and many of us have requests like that. So what do we do in light of these promises and the fact that there isn't a single verse in the Bible that counteracts these promises that over and over again we're to told, if you keep pressing into Jesus, everyone who asks receives. How do we bring all these promises, and there's not just one or two, there's tons of them in Scripture. How do we bring what we see in the Scripture and these promises together with this reality that some people and many of us seem to have some prayer requests that we've been praying and praying and praying and praying, and we don't seem to get an answer. What do we do with that? Well, as I was praying this week, I, I asked my mom if I could use her as, as an example because I feel like uh, God has given um, this situation, this example to our entire church as something to teach us and to encourage us to pray. But many of you know my mom, Okay. And uh, some of you may be new here, you maybe don't. But for the last 20 years, my mom has had a very serious uh, health issue. Uh, we all have a protective covering over our brains. Inside of our skull, we all have a protective covering over our brains that keeps in the, the spinal fluid, the CSF brain spinal fluid, that keeps our brains from getting infected, that cushions the brain, all this sort of stuff. Well, my mom has a very rare condition where she has a number of holes in this covering around her brain, okay? Very, very serious, okay? As a result of that, over the last uh, 20 years, she's had uh, 10 major surgeries. Like, we're not just talking, you know, in the hospital, get a couple of stitches and out. We're talking really uh, major surgeries, the kinds of surgeries where, you know, people can, you know, some of them where you could die if, you know, something goes wrong. And, uh, and so we have prayed and we have prayed. And as a result of this thing, she's leaked so much fluid over the years and continues to leak on and off uh, many times. She many times deals with severe, severe, severe headaches. And so many times we've gathered around her as a family. Uh, people here at the church, we've gathered around her and we've prayed for her. And there's been many times when she's in a lot of pain and she's going through another bout of severe, severe headaches where, you know, we've cried out for her together, but I'll be in the car, I'll be in my personal devotion time. And, you know, all each of us, you know, individually in our own time as well, crying out to God, oh, Jesus, heal her, take away this pain. How is she supposed to function? All these sorts of things that we cry out. And I just share, again, I share this example. It's not unique to us. Many of you here have requests like this. You're desperate. And they don't seem to get answered. So the question is, and this has been going on, like I said, this has been going on not for one year or for, you know, a couple of years or a few months. This has been going on for 20 years. And many of you here again today, no doubt, you have, you have experiences like that as well. What on earth are we supposed to do with situations like that? How do we bring that together with these incredible passages of Scripture where Jesus promises us that everyone who asks receives? How do we bring these things together? Well, I want to talk about four things in the first half of this message. I want to talk four things, so important, um, that we have to see things with God's perspective. Number one, don't miss the miracles within the miracle. Another way I could say this is don't miss the answers to prayer within the answer. And again, I'm going to, for this first little while, I'm going to use my mom as an example because, again, I feel like God has given this situation to the church in many ways for us to pray for us, for our teaching and, and, and growth and encouragement. But, uh, for example, as I was talking to her this week, one of the amazing things is we've prayed, 20 years we've prayed, oh, Lord, heal her. Take away her headaches. Take away, you know, these holes and the, and the leaks and all sorts that we've prayed again and again. But one of the things is, as you're praying about that, it can be very easy to miss that actually God has done some incredible miracles, and one of them is the fact that she's still alive. She has no sealant. I mean, you can, bacteria could go straight, you know, through the nose and into the brain and could give her an infection that could kill her. Literally, it's actually a miracle that she continues to be alive. So 20 years ago, when she was first uh, diagnosed with this thing, 
She had, none of us kids were married, and she had no grandkids, but she's lived. And she told me, you know, with tears in her eyes and a huge smile this week, she talked about the blessing of being able to see all four of us kids married and to see 17 grandkids born into the world. That's actually a miracle. Is it not a miracle? Now remember, Jesus said, everyone who asks receives. So now we've been praying, oh Lord, heal, 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 heal. But in the, in the meantime, while we're praying this, we can't actually miss the fact, has God given us a miracle? He actually has. The fact that she's alive is in, it, in and of itself a miracle. But there's other things too. Um, something that, uh, that Dad has spoken on, Pastor has spoken on a number of times here in the church, but we really believe, you go back 20 years as church, we were in a, you know, over there at what's now the 55 plus building, we were much, 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 much smaller and, uh, I mean, I think about the prayer DNA that is at this church now. I, I mean, again, getting the privilege to be a part of the prayer summit this last Tuesday and get, getting to lead. And it's so easy to lead our church in prayer. It's so wonderful. It's heavenly. This place is packed out in the middle of a week for a prayer meeting. I mean, when, where does that happen? And people just want to pray, and the Spirit is present. It's amazing. So there's this prayer DNA, and of course we have lot, lots to, to grow in that, but there's this prayer DNA that's been embedded deep in our, deep in our church. Well, one of the things that we feel strongly, and it felt strongly for years that God has shown us, is if you go back, you know, 20 years when prayer was first being implemented here at the church, it was very difficult to get people praying. Well, one of the things that we were praying, we actually, one of our big prayer requests was, Lord, make us a praying church. And as we prayed, Lord, make us a praying church, one of the first things that happened was mom was diagnosed with this condition. There was a bunch of those right at the beginning, major surgeries. Well, it was right this rallying thing for our little church back then. It was right then a, a rallying thing for our church. We got to pray about this. And actually, we've, we've, we feel like we've gotten revelation from the Holy Spirit in, in years past that this is part of his answer to our prayers for the church. So yes, have, have we been praying, Lord, heal us? Yes. But Jesus said, everyone who asks receives. We've actually received some major miracles. And sometimes you're praying for one thing and you're praying for another thing. And sometimes the reason this thing over here isn't getting answered the way you want is actually God's using that thing over there to answer a bigger request over here. Don't miss the miracles within the miracle. Don't miss the answers to prayer within the answer. Jesus said, everyone who asks, receives. Well, second thing closely related to that is don't miss the miraculous, sustaining touches and presence of God along the way. Anyone who, who knows my mom, again, and many of you do, and she's very actively involved here and stuff, you'll know she has got one of the biggest smiles on the planet. And she's one of actually the happiest people you will ever meet. It's crazy, but someone with such serious health problems, I know lots of people who have almost no health problems who are much less happy in life than she is. So actually, if we just step back and survey this for just a moment, which would you rather be, if we actually ask a hypothetical question? Would you rather be a healthy person who is miserable a lot of the time, or would you rather be an unhealthy person who is filled with joy all the time? The fact of the matter is, joy is the thing we're all seeking. And it's a miracle. It is an absolute miracle. When you look, it's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit. The way she's able to carry herself with joy and that smile and the happiness that she experiences in her life in the midst of what is oftentimes a lot of physical pain, that is a miracle from God. And she will tell you that. It is a miracle from God. Do not miss the miraculous, sustaining touches and presence of God. Even as you pray, Lord, deliver me from this situation. And you pray and you pray and you pray. Jesus said, everyone who prays receives. So don't miss the miracles along the way and don't miss the miraculous, sustaining touches and presence of God. Another thing is, over the years as we've prayed for, there was, uh, she was telling me with tears in her eyes again this week, uh, one in particular that stood out to her. There was a, a time in the back of the church, we had a number of the, the prayer partners and prayer leaders from the church gathered around her and laid hands on her and, and again, praying for healing. Oh, oh Lord, just would you heal her? And, and praying and praying and praying. And as they prayed, she felt this distinct, very warm, uh, tingling sensation start at the bottom of her feet and begin to work its way up through her entire body. And as it was happening, it was very distinct, very warm, this tingling sensation. And she thought, I am about to be healed. She was so uh, overjoyed. I'm about to be healed. And as this thing worked its way up to the, to the top of her body and the top of her head, at the very top, the Holy Spirit spoke to her very, very distinctly and said, not yet. Not yet. Now, so we continue to pray. 
for her to be healed and all this sort of stuff. But in the meantime, there's been some of these remarkable encounters with God. Now, these encounters with God themselves are incredible answers to prayer and gifts from God, are they not? Ultimately, let me tell you something, and we just sang a song about it, we're going to get to sing it again after this message. I can hardly wait. In some ways, I want to hurry through this message so we can sing it again. The greatest gift you can get in this life and in all of eternity is to meet with God and to know Him. Did you know that? In fact, as you know, what would happen if you were praying for something you really, really wanted or needed? Just really, really praying. Pray, 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 pray. Oh God, heal my marriage. Oh God, heal my kid. Oh God, save my kid. And you prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. What would happen if God would show up to you and say, I'm not going to give you what you're asking, but instead, I'm going to give you myself. Now, some of you are thinking, I, I'd rather actually just have what I was praying for. But you know, the only reason you can say that is because you haven't ever actually really met him. Because the moment you would meet him, you would realize the truth, not just theoretically in your head, but you would realize the truth in your heart that he is far and away the greatest gift you can ever find. And that's what we're going to find out in heaven. So if he would show up to you and just say, I'm going to give you an ongoing sense of my presence and love and grace in your life, actually, it's the greatest gift he could ever give you. And if he gave you that instead of giving you exactly what you were praying for, but he did it in answer to your prayers, would we not be able to say that Jesus has been faithful to his promise? Everyone who asks receives. The only people who don't receive are those who don't ask. Because everyone who asks receives. Some of the good gifts that God gives when he just shows up, when he just gives you the gift of himself, it is a gift to experience God's presence and know he is real and in control. I think back over even my own life, and I haven't suffered nearly so much as, as some of you here today have, but we all have suffering to whatever the level is we have suffering. And suffering is suffering. It sucks, right? It stinks. We don't like it. But I think back to some of the times where I've suffered to the level that, that was suffering for me and I think back to some of the moments in my life where God showed up, where I, was, where I was praying and pressing in, oh, Lord, help me. Oh, Lord, I need your help. And those moments where he, where he reached in and touched me and didn't take away all my problems, but I had these encounters with him, these moments where I would feel his love and his grace washing over me and I would feel his presence. Those are amazing, tremendous gifts. In those moments, you know he's real, you know he's in control, and you know he loves you. That's incredible to know that he actually hears your prayers. Sometimes when he shows up, now he's not under any obligation ever here on planet earth to tell us why we're suffering. And many times he won't tell us why. But sometimes he'll show up and in that moment he'll give us narrative. He'll say, this is why I'm not answering your prayer the way you want because I'm doing something bigger. And give, when he shows up and, and shows you his love and grace and gives you some narrative as to why you're suffering, that is a gift. Jesus said, everyone who asks receives. The only people who don't receive are those who don't ask. I want to do two more. Number three, don't miss the fact that some miracles take a long, long time to be answered. I bet, you, I bet you there isn't a person here today, I bet you there isn't a single person here today who doesn't have someone in their family, extended family, close friends, their circles of the people that they really love in their life. I bet you there's no one here today who doesn't have at least one person or someone in their life that they have been praying for and praying for and praying for to receive Christ or whatever, and it's just gone years and years and years and it just hasn't happened yet. I, I bet you there's no one that doesn't have someone like that in their life. And me and LaDonna are no different. We got people, both sides of the family, extended families, different things, friends, different things. People that, you know, we pray for for years, in some cases, decades. And it just doesn't seem that there's any movement. Now, on the other hand, at the same time that I say that, just within the last couple of years, there's, Someone in our life that has been prayed for years, literally, actually decades, not exaggerating a little bit at all, decades, and suddenly now in the last couple of years gave their life to Christ, and we've been just absolutely rejoicing. And the moment that happened, it's like faith just burst through. If, if someone like this can get saved, anybody can get saved, okay? And then you just have faith. Now, you know what's one of the crazy things is? This person's parents never got to live to see the answer to their prayers, and they prayed all their lives. Did God not answer their prayers or did he answer their prayers? He actually did answer their prayers, didn't he? But sometimes, don't miss the fact, everyone who asks receives. Everyone. 
But don't miss the fact and don't give up. Can you imagine if, if we would give up before we see the end just because I didn't see it? Don't give up before the end. Don't miss the fact that some miracles take a long, long time to be answered. And number four, don't miss the fact that sometimes Jesus gives you a different miracle. Don't miss the fact that sometimes Jesus gives you a different miracle. Now, even as I say that, and I'm going to read you, again, a, a, a famous passage, and we've talked about it before, because there's nothing new in this message, but I do pray that God's going to give us a fresh infusion of faith. But even as I say that, this isn't a cop-out. Sometimes people think, well, this is kind of a cop-out. This is a way of thinking positively about something that's not positive. So I was praying for something good, and Jesus gave me a dud instead. Well, he can still say he answered my prayer. Absolutely not. Remember Matthew 7. If you ask for a fish, which of you, if, you're, if your kids ask you for a fish, now, we don't live in that time period. My kids never ask me for fish. It has never once happened, okay? But you know, you know, they ask you for a piece of pizza. They ask you for something good, right? And he says, which of you, if they ask you for something good, you're going to give them a stone instead? Absolutely not. He says, you never would do that. And your heavenly father, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? So even when I say this, this is not a cop-out that Jesus doesn't want to give you a miracle, so he gives you some dud. What I mean is, don't miss the fact that sometimes Jesus doesn't give you what you were praying for, but actually in the long run, you're going to find out way better. He never gives you a bad gift. Never gives you a bad gift. Don't miss the fact, though, that he sometimes does give you a different miracle, and that isn't him not answering. That's him answering as a good father. And Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we find a story uh, that just exactly is this. And so Paul says this in chapter 12, verse 7 of 2 Corinthians, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. Now, the Greek word there for thorn is scolops, and it's not like a little thorn, like we think a little thorn maybe scratching you or poking you a little bit of blood. Literally, the Greek word there is like a, a wooden stake, uh, like a, a, a giant stake. Like this is, whatever this was, it was like he's, he's hemorrhaging blood is the picture. He is under intense pressure. He's in intense pain. A thorn in the flesh here is not a little thorn. It's literally a stake in his life. It's like you can't get around a thorn. You can just kind of brush it off. Well, I'm in a little bit of pain, but it's okay. There's a stake that's been driven into his body, and he can't, he can't maneuver around it. This thing, it, this thing will, will, will kill him or destroy him or whatever. It's big, okay? So now verse 8, okay? Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord. Now, I want you to remember here, uh, Paul is not some, some wimp, okay? He, he, I was gonna, no, I'm not even going to say that. I just won't say it. Um, disregard that thought. Plead three times. He's not a wimp, okay? This is a guy, he's been beaten, he's been whipped, he's been shipwrecked, he's not some softy, he has been through a lot. When he says, I've got this wooden stake, I've got this gigantic thorn, it's going to destroy my life. And then it says, he pleaded. He is begging God. I mean, this is a guy, remember, this is a guy, they throw him in, in prison there in Philippi. He, at midnight, he is shackled in this rat-infested du dungeon, and him and his buddy Silas are singing hymns, okay? So when he pleads with God about something, it's bad. We would have been pleading in the dungeon, and he's singing in the dungeon. So whatever this is, it's really bad. So three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. Now, the interesting thing is it doesn't tell us even, you know, what the three times is. Like, what is this? Were there three separate periods that he just set aside for prayer and fasting? Like, did he take, you know, a week or a couple of weeks? Were there three separate times where he's like, I'm just going to seek God with intense fasting and, and cry out to him? Was he up all night? Whatever it was, but three separate times. It wasn't like in one day he three times casually prayed something, but three separate times he really pleaded and pressed into God, oh God, I am wrecked. I'm wrecked if you don't fix this, okay? And... You know, and commentators, we're not sure. People say, well, well, what was wrong in his life? Commentators aren't totally sure. Uh, probably the majority of commentators think it was something physical, like a physical ailment or something. I kind of lean that way, uh, but we don't know. 
But it would have, if it was that, it would have been a very serious health concern. Other people think it was a very serious attack from some people. Uh, someone was tearing apart the churches, lying about him. Something very serious. Whatever it was, either, either way, it's very serious. In some ways, I'm really glad that he doesn't tell us. Because if he told us exactly what it was, many of us would only apply it to that situation. But the fact that he's vague about it means that these passages apply to all of us. Whatever it is you're going through, whether it be a people issue, a relationship issue, a financial issue, a health issue, whatever you are going through, this story applies to all of us. Three times I pleaded, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But now watch what happens. And God shows up after the third time, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, I just have to stop you for just a moment because this is such a famous passage. A lot of Christians do the exact wrong thing with this passage. What a lot of us do is we just glibly quote this passage whenever we have a problem, and it's like, well, I have a problem. Well, you know what? I'm just going to glibly quote this passage. God's grace is going to be made uh, you know, perfect through my weakness. But I want you to notice here, this is not head knowledge for Paul. Okay? Paul prays three times. He, he goes after God with pleading. And on the third time, God shows up and doesn't give him head knowledge. He goes from begging to boasting. Okay? This is an incredible miracle. He goes from being completely overwhelmed by his situation to absolutely overcoming in his situation and not even needing it to be healed anymore. He goes from begging for God to take it away to boasting about it. How did he get there? Not by glibly quoting, oh, God's going to turn this for good. He got there because he pressed into God in prayer. This is not a verse for us to just throw out there when we're overwhelmed. Well, God's going to turn it for good. Well, yes, if you press into him in prayer. He pressed into God in prayer, and as a result, he got a miracle. He didn't get the one he was praying for, but he did get a miracle. He got a miracle of, he got the miracle, as I said before, of narrative. God said, this is what I'm doing with your suffering. I want to show everybody my strength and your weakness. And then the second thing he got was he got a supernatural download of joy and strength to actually be able to be happy and to be, and to be able to continue to minister in the midst of his situation. That doesn't come from just quoting a verse. That only comes from being in the presence of God. Now, one of the things I want you to notice here is that Paul doesn't worry about what he should be praying. Um, you know, we, we often make prayer way too complicated. And that's one of the things I want to do in this, in this little message series last week and this week is I want to help you to see that prayer is not complicated. It's not 10 points, and this is what you've got to do, and then this is what you've got to do. It's, it's really actually simple. And I think a lot of Christians in their prayer lives, what we do is we're torn. I don't know what I should be praying for. What's God's will? Should I be praying for strength or should I be praying for deliverance? So you kind of just pray both so you cover your bases. What does God want? What should I be praying? Should I pray, Lord, help me out of this, get me out of this? Or Lord, would you give me the strength to get through this? We don't know. And so we don't know what to pray. And in many cases, we get paralyzed. So we don't really press in at all because we don't know what to pray. What I love about this story is how simple it is. Paul doesn't start by praying, oh God, what do you want me to pray? In fact, he starts out by praying technically the wrong, if you want to call it that, technically he prays the wrong prayer because he prays what God in the end doesn't want to give him. But Paul doesn't care about that even for one second. What does he start out by doing? He just pleads exactly what it is he needs and desires. He doesn't worry, God, what do you want to give me? God, should I pray strength? Should I pray? He just says, this is what I need. I'm overwhelmed. Please take this away. Would you heal me? And he prays it again and again and again until he gets an answer and God shows up and gives him a miracle. Now God gives him a different miracle. And after he gets that miracle, no doubt, now his prayers have changed. No more praying for healing. Now I just thank God that he's given me strength because he gets narrative of what God's doing. But you don't have to worry, God. What, what, what do you, what, Lord, what do you want me to pray here? Start by praying what you desire and need and just pray and pray and pray because here's the thing. If you pray the wrong things with a good heart, God will always give you the right thing that he wants to give you. And it will always be a good gift. If you pray the wrong, the wrong, there is really no wrong thing when you're just praying to God, but everyone who asks receives. Everyone. If you pray the wrong things with a right heart, Jesus will give you the right thing. But again, the only people who are left out of that equation are the people 
who don't ask. So now the question becomes, what should our posture be in light of this? These are incredible promises. These are incredible promises. Everyone who asks receives. And even if you pray the wrong thing, even if you just go after God, you're just so desperate for him. He says, if you come to me and ask, I'm going to give you a great gift. I'm going to give you a miracle. If you pray for a miracle, you're going to get a miracle. It might not be exactly the one you were looking for, but if it isn't, it'll be better. It'll still be good. So in light of that reality, that incredible promise that everyone who asks receives, my question is, what should our posture be as we're praying? Some of these people who have prayed for things all their lives and then the answers don't come until after they're dead. Should they be defeated and down that whole time? Like, do we have to be defeated and down and sad and anxious the whole time we're waiting for the prayer and then we can only be happy after we get it? Or is it possible for us in prayer, knowing that these promises are true, is it possible for us in faith to already live in victory before we get the answers? Well, I want to go back to Psalm chapter 34. And there's some verses, I just feel, there's a number of passages that I memorized this last fall that I felt were God speaking to me. And over the last, you know, since Christmas, I've been feeling more and more like God's been shifting and he's been saying, I think some of these verses are actually for the whole church in this season. And so I just keep going back to them. We worked our way through this, much of this chapter at the prayer summit on Tuesday, but I'm back there again because I just feel that some of these are words from God for our church in this season. But Psalm 34, 4 to 5 say this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look at this. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. There is a place we believers can go before we get the answer to prayer where our faces become radiant, where we are filled with joy, where we are filled with faith, where we are filled with hope. Long before we get the answer, there's a place we can go in prayer where our faces are radiant. Now again, I want to just step back for a moment. This does not mean that the sign of faith is I plaster on a fake smile all the time and pretend like things are always happy. When they're not, this does not mean that every moment of every day, if I'm a victorious Christian, I'm always going to feel good. You're going to have days where you feel down, and those are days like Paul where you're going to just plead with God. But what it does mean is there is a place we can go in prayer that before we ever see even a sniff or a whiff of that answer to prayer, because we know he's going to answer, there's a place we can go in prayer already, and we can begin to live in victory, and we can begin to find tremendous joy and faith before we see the answer. Their faces, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. But again, the key is prayer. Look at Paul's advice in Philippians chapter four. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. That is a big word there, anything. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. There is a place we can go in prayer long before we ever see the answer. But to know that he's going to answer, there is a place we can go in prayer where we no longer need to be anxious about anything. Well, where is that place? But in everything, another big word, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is a place in prayer where we can go and our faces are radiant with peace, 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 <laughs> with peace and faith and joy. And where is this place? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Now here's the thing again. Many Christians think that peace that passes understanding comes from glibly quoting this verse. But I want you to notice again, this is a very famous passage. It does not say, Paul does not say, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by quoting this verse, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Think of that. That surpasses all understanding. It's such an amazing, radiant peace that he can't even describe it. But he does not say, because so many Christians quote this verse, but he does not say, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by quoting this verse, then you're going to have the peace of God. No, he does not. This is not a spiritual verse. This is an intensely practical verse. 
in order to receive the peace of God, to be radiant in the face of trouble and situations where you're not seeing your answer to prayer. The way you do that is not by quoting a verse or getting all spiritual. It is you actually set aside time day after day after day, and you actually do this. You actually do this. Instead of doing some other things, which might, might be perfectly fine in, in and of themselves, instead of sleeping, perhaps, as long as you would like, or instead of watching that movie, or instead of whatever, and none of these things are bad. It's not bad to sleep, obviously. I'm planning to do it again tonight. Okay, it's not bad to watch a movie, okay? Well, my family will watch a movie every week together, usually on Sunday evenings. Not bad to do these things, but at some point, you actually have to do this. The peace doesn't come from knowing the verse. The peace comes from in everything, by prayer and supplication. By prayer and supplication. You actually go, press into the presence of God and you spend time with him. Now, I just felt, uh, for this message this weekend, I just felt, some of you might be kind of new here, you might be sort of on the fringes, some of you are old hat at this. But some of you don't even know, I don't know what I would do for an hour because we're not talking about 30 seconds here. The peace that passes all understanding doesn't come from you just said a quick prayer between the car and coming in your front door at the end of a day of work, even though it's great to pray at all times without ceasing. But at some point, we actually have to actually press into his presence and do it over and over and over and over again. And some of you don't even know, I don't know what I would do if I turned off the TV and tried to spend an hour with God. I don't even know what would I do. You know, so one of the beauties I love about this, and you know what the Bible actually has almost no advice for what you do in that situation. And you know what? I just love that. Because the Bible just says, figure it out. Like, just show up. Turn the thing off. Stop whatever it is you're doing. Set aside whatever it is, 60 minutes or 90 minutes or 40 minutes or 30 minutes, and press into my presence. Well, I don't know what I would do. Show up and let the Holy Spirit guide you in a relationship. Okay? But let me give you just a, a couple of little basics. Some of you are, are old hat at this, but I'll just give you a couple of basics. I'm old-fashioned. Here's, here's what, a, what, a, what a journal looks like. Some of you do it on your computers. Some of you do it on your phones. And I, I'm still in the Stone Age ages, and I plan to die in the Stone Ages. So I got a friend over there somewhere. So I just still, you know, Walmart dollar store special, 250 pages. You know, three subjects, cahier, notebook cahier. Um, <laughs> So I just take out a pen and a paper. And you know, I, I'll tell you, one of the best things you can do for your prayer life is write out your prayers. Because when you're writing, your, your, your brain isn't going all over the place. But I just open up my journal. Well, I'm going to spend time with God, and I'll just put the date on the top. And then I'll just write out some thanksgiving to God, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. I'll write out some thanksgiving. And then I'll spend time as part of my prayer time, because your prayers have got to be fed by the Word of God. I'll spend some time reading in the, in the Bible. i got four bookmarks. One in the Old Testament, one in the Psalms, one in the Gospels, one in the New Testament. One day I read from one, the next day I read from another, the next time I read from another. That way I'm constantly getting fresh input from you know, a healthy diet from the whole Word. Spend some time reading in the Word, and then I write down anything that sticks out to me. I don't over-spiritualize it. People are like, how do you know when God's speaking? I just write down anything that sticks out to me. I write it down, and then I move into prayer. And you begin to write out what are the things you desperately need from God. And you write out what you're feeling. And you write out exactly, Lord, I just feel depressed. You just get brutally honest with him. I feel discouraged. I feel hopeless about this situation. And you write to him about that situation. And then you write to him, Lord Jesus, this is what I need you to do. And you just write out a prayer to him. And then you, you pause sometimes. And what thoughts are coming to your mind? Some of those thoughts might be God. You have an inner dialogue. The Holy Spirit can, can move powerfully in your life through that inner dialogue. But you spend an hour talking to God, writing your prayers, and spending time in his word. And then Paul gives us another secret there, another secret though. You don't just do that. You don't just call out to him with your needs. I want you to notice there's something there. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. See, there's three, you know, there's three groups of Christians. There's a group of Christians that they just never pray. Instead of praying about their needs, they medicate with media or whatever. I totally get it. We're just trying to, we're trying to distract ourselves from our pain. That's why many Christians are addicted to media. They just don't know what to do with their pain. 
their stress, their unanswered prayer requests, their marriage that is on the rocks, their kids that they don't know what to do with. And it's so stressful. We human beings weren't made to live with that pain all the time. So if I just turn on a movie or a TV, it actually helps me not think about that. I get why people do it. Paul says the only way you're going to get real peace is if at some point you actually go and pray. Then there's a second group that they actually do pray. And they call out to God, oh God, I need help with this, I need help with this, I need help with this. But over time, they just pray day after day, Lord, I need help with this, I need help with this. But they don't have thanksgiving and praise in there. And as a result, their tanks are empty, their faith tanks are empty. They're so focused on what they don't have, they have no hope. Their prayers become weaker and weaker and weaker. They leave their prayer times just as discouraged as they went in, and oftentimes, eventually, they leave off praying. And then there's a third group of Christians, and they do this, what it says in God's Word. They come to God and they call out to him, oh Lord, I am so discouraged. And oh Lord, I am so in need of your help. And then they mix it with thanksgiving. And thank you, Lord, for the things you're doing in my life. Because here's the thing, praise and thanksgiving are the fuel for faith. Praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving are a weapon in the spiritual realm. They will radically change your prayer life. They will radically change your life. And when your prayers are mixed, not just with asking God in supplication, but now you mix in praise and thanksgiving, a boldness comes over you. Literally, it's like a boldness. This last week I was in one prayer time and, and I was just kind of, eh, whatever, and I sort of felt like I was hitting a wall and all of a sudden this thought comes into my mind, uh, fill a sheet of paper, just take a line piece of paper and just fill every single line of it with praise. And you say like, how did you know if that was God speaking? You know what? I don't worry about that. Was that God speaking? Was that me speaking? Usually I don't know till afterwards. Oops, I guess that wasn't God, right? No, it's not usually that bad. But, but, it's just thoughts. It's not a bad thought. I'm going to do it. Thought comes to mind, I'm going to fill a sheet of line paper with praise. I just took out a sheet of paper, and I just went every line. I just started to thank God for things I've seen this last week. And as I was getting down this page, it took me about 10 or 15 minutes. I was, my eyes were being open. I was writing down more and more stuff. I was starting to praise God for who he was. By the time I got to that bottom half of that page, there was more and more exclamation marks. By the time I got to the very bottom of that page, there is so much faith in you. Praise and thanksgiving are a weapon. And people who are ungrateful, you live in this sort of despairing state that even as you pray, prayer, it doesn't encourage you. It's just, oh, God, help me. But when you get into praise and thanksgiving with your prayer requests, it's like a boldness comes over you and you know God is going to work. And the thing is, most of our prayer requests aren't all or nothing anyway. Like those big prayer requests you're praying, if you would open up your eyes, most of those big prayer requests you're praying have got a million things God's got to do before that thing gets answered. You can be thanking him every step along the way. So you're praying, oh God, I want you to work mightily in this kid of mine that I've been praying for for a decade or whatever it is. And as you're praying, every time you see something good, oh, thank you, Jesus, you're hearing my prayers. Thank you, Lord, that everyone who asks receives. Thank you that you're at work in their life and you're thanking him. And as you do that, you have so much more faith to call out to him. Praise and thanksgiving are a weapon. But many people today do not have a disciplined gratitude life. Psalm 34, we go back there again. I will bless the Lord at all times. This is not something for every once in a while. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Paul says this, rejoice always. Look at that, rejoice always. Isn't that, a, isn't that a great command? I mean, wouldn't you love to obey that command? Rejoice always. How are we going to do that? Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, a lot of young people today are looking, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? And they want to know exactly which job God wants them to work in. You know what? When you're a young person, just get a job. <laughs> just get a job. That's God's will. If he wants you to know which job it is after you get one, He'll change it up for you, okay? Just get a job. But you want to know God's will for your life? Here's God's will for your life. Give thanks. This is a command. In all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you. Did you know that it is God's will for you to be thankful every day? Psalmist said, I, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Give thanks in all circumstances. He said, but I don't feel thankful. You know what? I'm just like you. 
I have lots of days where I don't feel thankful. I struggle to be thankful. And a couple of years ago, through some of the stuff Stefan's been teaching us here at the church, the things I've been learning in, in the Word, I've just been inspired the last couple of years that to have a disciplined gratitude life, to be thankful day after day after day, is actually God's calling on my life and all of our lives. And it's essential for me to have an overcoming prayer life. And so I just began to seek God. Do I still struggle? You better believe it. I still have many days now where I'm not thankful, where I don't feel like doing Thanksgiving. But you know what? I just committed to myself every day in my journaling. I'm going to be thankful. And then you know what else I started to do? I started to pray, Lord, make me thankful because everyone who asks receives. When you get that everyone who asks receives bit, light bulb. Whoa, I need something. I can pray for it. I need to be more thankful. I can pray for it. So you begin to pray for it. You begin to work at it. And those two things together, you pray for it, you work at it. I'm not very good at it yet, but I'll tell you something, in two years, I'm a lot better than I was two years ago. And it'll radically change your life. It'll change your prayer life. And you say, well, I don't have anything to be thankful for. Some of you are in just such, you know, what a, dire circumstances and things you've been praying for and you're so oppressed. It's like, I don't have anything to be thankful for. Paul says, be thankful in all circumstances. How do I do that? Let me finish this message with a story. Famous story. I've shared it before. I will share it till the end of my life. It's just too good. Corrie ten Boom. Dutch woman, godly woman, World War II. Her and her dad and sister and brother, because they love Jesus so much, they also love the Jewish people. They hid lots of Jews in their home from the Nazis. Eventually they got caught. All of them sent to Nazi death camps where all of them, except for Corrie, died. Okay? Or if this woman knew, uh, knew, you know, knew suffering. She tells this amazing story in her book, The Hiding Place, her and her sister Betsy, when they're first brought to the infamous Ravensbrück uh, death camp, and they're brought to the barracks, and the barracks were absolutely hellish, filthy, and infested, crawling with fleas. And so they're shoved into this barracks that first day, and Corey is just in absolute shock, and she cries out to her sister, how on earth are we going to survive this place? And Betsy pulls out this little Bible that they managed to smuggle into the camp. And she turns to this exact passage. She said, the Bible tells us how we're going to survive. We're going to give thanks in all circumstances. So right there, the two sisters got on their knees and they, and they began to give thanks to God. Thank you, Jesus, that they kept us together and didn't separate us here in this camp. That's something to be thankful for. Thank you that we were able to smuggle this Bible in and the guards didn't find it. Thank you for that. And they just began to be thankful. And then at the end of this little Thanksgiving time, Betsy finished the Thanksgiving time by praying, and Lord Jesus, thank you for these fleas. At which point, Corey lost it. And she said, absolutely not. That is not correct. I will thank God for the Bible. I will thank God that we're together. But there is nothing redeemable about these fleas. They are terrible. I will not thank God for it. But Betsy insisted we need to be thankful for the fleas. And so continually over time, she would give thanks for the fleas. How can you give thanks for fleas in a Nazi death camp? Well, the sisters, they were godly women. Oh, I look up to them. And someday I look forward to meeting them in heaven. Godly sisters... One of the first things they started, they had this little Bible. They began a Bible study in the barracks. Every night, these women would come back after another hellish day in this camp. They would come back to their barracks absolutely exhausted, and, and they're dying, and it's terrible. And these sisters would have, would start these Bible studies, and they were praying for women and ministering to women. And it, and it became like this wonderful thing. They posted lookouts always to make sure that the guards wouldn't catch them doing it. But every day they'd be out in this hell and they would come back and the women were getting saved and there was so much unity and they were praying for each other. It was like a little piece of heaven in that barracks. This gift from God. These women praying together and, and studying the word together. Amazing. And eventually, they, no guards would ever come in. No guards would ever come in and interrupt them. Eventually, they stopped posting lookouts. It was like, well, they never come in here. And they were doing Bible studies all over the place. What a blessing. Women, women's lives being changed. And then one day, one of the women asks a guard, could you come in? There's some confusion here in the barracks. We need you to sort it out. Could you come in and help us sort it out? And his guard immediately said to her, absolutely not, because that place is crawling with fleas. And suddenly it hit the sisters, Corey and Betsy. Oh, thank you, God, for the fleas. This heaven 
Bible study prayer, this little heaven that we get this sanctuary within this camp, the whole reason it's possible is because it's infested with fleas. Now here's the incredible thing. If God can turn fleas in a death camp for the good of two women who are crying out to him, is there anything in your life he can't turn for your good if you will cry out to him? Jesus said, everyone who asks receives. Everyone. And for those who cry out to him, all things work together for good. So here's my weekly challenge. I got two things. The first thing is, I'm calling it the 1010 challenge because it just sounds cool. The 1010 challenge. Two things. Spend at least 10 minutes at the beginning of your day writing out thanks to God in your morning devotions. Just write out thanks to Him. 10 minutes every day this week. Do it together with me. I already started today because I started because I had the Saturday services yesterday. Plus, this is a discipline in my life anyway. Spend the first 10 minutes of your day writing out thanks to God in your morning devotions. And then the second thing is spend the last. 10 minutes of your day before you go to sleep, writing out thanks to God again. Let's have a disciplined Thanksgiving life. You're going to find your prayers. You're going to begin to be built up with faith. Give thanks in all circumstances. And the second thing I'm going to encourage you is this week, we're going to continue leading up to the prayer summit. Next week at the prayer summit, we're going to cap off this month and we want to see God do huge miracles. Second thing is you have huge things. You have health things. You have marriage things. You have kid things. You have all sorts of things. Huge prayer requests here in this room today. Many of you have huge prayer requests. I've got huge prayer requests. I've got six big ones written on my, this sheet of paper I carry with me in my Bible everywhere, plus other big ones that didn't fit on here that I want to see God do great things. I want you to keep praying those big prayer requests every single day. But this week, I want you to pray them a little differently. I want you to pray your big prayer requests with thanksgiving. I want you to pray as you pray your big prayer requests in those situations you're in. I want you, as you pray them, I want you to thank God in advance that he's going to answer your prayers. Every time you pray that big prayer request, it's, you're going to start to have faith. I want you to thank him before and after and during. As you're praying it, I want you to say, Lord, I thank you that everyone who asks receives. So I'm coming to you with this big one, and I thank you that you're going to, that you're going to answer me. Then I want you to thank God that he's going to turn each of your situations, the things that you're praying about, he's going to turn them for your good. No matter how much you've been suffering, he's going to turn it for your good. If he can turn fleas into death camp for their good, if you're praying to him, the only people who lose out are those who don't ask. But if you are crying out to him, he will turn it for your good. And lastly, lastly I want you to thank God that he's already at work in answer to your prayers. Well, we're going to sing one final song, but I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. And we're going to sing one final song. We want to know Jesus. But I want to pray for you, and I want to pray in faith. I want to thank God for how he's going to answer your prayers. And then, and then we're going to, in faith, we're going to sing this song, and we're going to thank him that he's going to answer our prayers, and we're going to get to know him better as, we, as he does it. But Lord Jesus, many, many big prayer requests are represented here this morning. I want to thank you in advance right now that for each one of us who comes to you and prays this week, you are going to answer our prayers. And I want to thank you in advance that you are going to turn every situation, as we come to you and cry out to you, you're going to turn every situation we're praying for. Some of them are really tough and really difficult. You're going to turn each one of them for our good. And I want to thank you in advance for the things we're going to see you do. Give us faith and teach us to pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Southland Church. For more information or to download this and many other messages, please visit us at myselfland.com.